My handle is Jonathan Blade. And that's how the sauce is made. Hey, welcome to my podcast. I've been away for quite a while this time, and I they feel like I always say that because there are long, long breaks between episodes, but I think this is the longest of the breaks that I've had. I've consumed lots and lots of media in that time, but we won't spend time talking about all of that media, just, just a little bit. But before we do, I guess we should talk about the, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, I have I listen to a lot of podcasts, and I have not come upon one who has not spent some time talking about how this uh, this epidemic, this pandemic, has affected them. And I don't live in New York uh, or LA like a lot of these other people do, so I've been very fortunate. Uh, I live in Central Virginia. Uh, we do have people who have died or been infected with COVID nineteen, but it's not as severe as it is in many other places, so we've been quite fortunate. Uh, unfortunately, uh, my son lives in Northern Virginia, and they are hit uh, quite hard. Like, they're, they're not throwing up big numbers in the fashion of New York City or New Orleans yet, but there's the potential there, and that is very scary. Uh, it also means that I won't be able to see him for spring break. Um, because they're they're kind of shelter in place up there. That part sucks. That part has me down in the dumps. But besides that, uh, it's been business as usual. I work at a company that is considered essential, and I'm an employee that's considered essential. So although some people are getting to work from home, uh, not me, not me. I am not getting to work from home. So I'm taking all the precautions. I feel good. Uh, we are not locked down here in Virginia the way we should be. Like, the governor's issued an order, but it's it's really weak. It's a weak sauce. Uh, people are out and about doing stuff. Like, you know, movie theaters and restaurants are closed for, you know, sit-down business. But things like Lowe's and Walmart and, of course, the grocery stores are open. Uh, Krispy Kreme, I live near Krispy Kreme. There's a line around the block every day when I come home. Uh, getting donuts. So people are out and about uh, putting their own uh, their own lives in danger and putting the lives of of the common everyday worker in danger, but the economy has to go. Uh, there are no safeguards in place for people to live uh, in a temporary lockdown status, so people are doing the best they can under the circumstances they have. And we persevere. So I do have a concept for what this episode will be. I don't really have a script, and I have not hashed out my ideas, so we'll work with what we're working with and see where it takes us. So I didn't see this last year because I'm not sure why I wanted to. It was on my list, but I guess there were too many other movies or I had too much else going on, but... Uh, I just saw Terminator Dark Fate. I, I didn't get to see it last year. Heard good things about it. Terminator Dark Fate is great. It is a fantastic action movie. And I kind of kind of don't understand why it didn't do well in the theater. It should have done very well. It's it's deserving of all the praise. And it's if you're an action junkie, Terminator Dark Fate is where it's at. 
And it brings up uh, some interesting ideas in my mind as a lady-led action movie. I'm not, once again, I'm not sure why it didn't do well, because it's really good and it appealed to my sensibilities. But there's a, a conflict in entertainment culture right now because we're on the cusp of a change. Uh, all the movies that I want to really see this year are all lady-led movies. I really want, as far as seeing movies in the theater, that's a whole other conversation. The theater's dying, but that's a that's a whole other conversation. But the movies, that, the big budget movies I want to see in the theater this year are uh, Wonder Woman '84, uh, Black Widow, and Mulan. Love those wushu epics. All women-led movies. But there's a conversation in pop culture where <sighs> fans are trying to get the studios to think. Certain fans, a certain subset of fans, are trying to get the studios to think that a woman-led movie can't make money because people don't want to see that. And that's not true, but there's there are going to be some growing pains, I think, as more of these movies are helmed by uh, women creators and there are things that are assumed uh, that, a, uh, that a female audience wants that are not diametrically opposed, but uh, in a genre film are not exactly what a, a male uh, patron may be looking for. And the, the reason that I'm having that thought in my mind is because of a movie that was very popular with the ladies, uh, the ladies I know, the nerd ladies I know, loved Birds of Prey. They thought the Harley Quinn movie was great, and I did not love Birds of Prey. But it was fine, I didn't hate it. And I like Margot Robbie, I think she's a good actress, but Birds of Prey is, it's kind of unspecial, and it's okay for it to be unspecial, but it makes me think, uh, is the issue misogyny? Is there some misogyny at play that, that makes me feel that way about something like Birds of Prey? And then I think about things like Terminator Dark Fate, and I was like, no, or the things, the movies I want to see this year, and I'm like, of course not, I loved Wonder Woman uh, in 2017 and but there are tropes uh, at play that play into what a traditional fan of of male nerd culture feels uh, should be in a movie like that or in a piece of entertainment like that that aren't necessarily uh, what would entertain a female audience and not necessarily what a, a woman creative leader would want to be in that movie, and I, I imagine that part of that is is why Harley Quinn didn't appeal to me. So let, let the, my argument for Harley Quinn is that uh, Harley Quinn herself is an unspecial character, so it it behooves the creators to figure out how to make that character special. She's just a crazy lady. She was uh, in Suicide Squad, which is a terrible movie, and although she was one of the more entertaining parts of that movie, I didn't like her in that because she was the lead. And she's nothing. She's a crazy lady with a baseball bat. She's not like the greatest martial arts crazy lady in the world with a baseball bat. She's just a crazy lady with a baseball bat uh, fighting gods and demons. And it is ridiculous. And so you take this character who's just a crazy lady with a baseball bat in a comic book world. And the accoutrement make the character, especially in the case of a character with no powers. And she doesn't have any. She's got nothing. She's got some makeup. 
and a baseball bat, and then you put her in this movie, and she's also unspecial in this movie. Uh, she's never really given agency. It's the movie's about her trying to find her agency, and she never finds it. Uh, even at the end, she never fully finds her agency. She makes some friends. Yay, I guess? But... It, it's just kind of a, a thud as an action superhero movie. Like, the action scenes are fine. I've heard people celebrate the action scenes and say, oh, it's not CGI, you get the realistic um, in-camera uh, visual effects. Love it. I would, except those scenes are just okay. The climax with on roller skates, fantastic. Uh, and in the Funhouse, fantastic. If the whole movie had been that zany, uh, off-the-wall fun, I would have loved it. But I thought the the jailhouse fight was was not so great. Uh, either Margot, Margot Robbie or her stunt double were very stiff uh, and slow in their action scene. And uh, yeah, it, it could have been better. But still, it was fine. It was fine. But conversely, you take something like Terminator Dark Fate, which is a superhero ensemble film functionally. Uh, and these ladies are... Really heavily vested in like um, the uh, iconography of the superhero movie with her poses and powers and uh, line deliveries and uh, badassery that is very male centric badassery. So they're like uh, some of the movies presented as uh, the collection of a sisterhood, but as they gather their sisterhood, but the way they act uh, and the way that the action flows, it's very traditional, like traditional action. And the only thing that separates it, uh, even though it's lady-led, is that there's no hardcore male-gazy sexuality. Like there's no moment in which somebody's, there's a sweet glistening butt shot or like uh, somebody's chest is pointed towards the sky or something uh, because that is not what the movie's about but it still rocks it rocks so hard uh, but does it rock so hard in my eyes because these women are inhabiting these roles that uh, I'm familiar with and uh, I attribute or associate with traditional action uh, maybe maybe even old ass Schwarzenegger is awesome Linda Hamilton kicking ass lover Mackenzie Davis, is that the the lead actress's name? She's great. I'm not uh, taken with her in the way that I've heard other people uh, speak of her. Yeah, she's tall. Uh, yeah, but she's awesome. She's an awesome action star. She's basically playing focused Lady Captain America, and she's great. Uh, could not celebrate the movie more. Uh, listening to Feminist Frequency and Arnita Sarkeesian and her crew... Yeah, I have to question, do I like these movies that I like because they celebrate tropes that I'm familiar with? And I don't know. Like, I'm an older dude, so although I am not openly misogynist, I don't think that men are better than women. I don't think that men are smarter than women. I don't think that men are even more emotionally mature than women. I think men are emotionally less mature uh, and make bad decisions that I personally attribute to testosterone. I think that a hundred years ago, two hundred years ago, testosterone was probably a great boon 
and all the time leading up to that testosterone high levels of testosterone are a great boon they will uh, if you're super aggressive they will uh, it will acquire you a, a, a an elevated place in society you take what you want but uh, as society becomes more advanced and you try to move to something uh, to something more uh, collective probably I don't know in the past 50 years we've been in a place, maybe even longer, we've been in a place where that testosterone is not a boon. It is, it's a curse to have a high level of testosterone. You're a Neanderthal and society is moving to a place that doesn't need you anymore. You're a hindrance to the advancement of mankind. So yeah, that's how I feel about that. So I, I'm not a misogynist, but I'm old. So I am vested in the tropes, uh, the, the social zeitgeist of the previous generation like I'm old enough that I'm vested in the social zeitgeist of the previous generation and a half or maybe a couple generations anyway uh, yeah so how I think about things is different I'm uh, of the don't ask don't tell do what you feel but don't ask don't tell which is not quite how I feel but uh, close enough like I, I feel that everybody should be able to do as they wish and exist as their uh, internal vision of their best selves but I also believe that uh, there should be no expectation that anyone accepts you in that frame beyond them accepting that you are also a human being and so you should be treated fully as a human being now some people say they're that philosophy and they are obviously not. They're like, nah, I don't think anybody should do it, but Trump. And so you know they're not they're not of that philosophy. They don't they don't believe that. No, Mexicans are blah 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 dirt dirt Trump. Not everybody has gotten to the place that even even the more conservative people really want to be there. They want to be to a, in a place where they can, just because they don't want the headache, of seeing people, seeing everybody as a human being. That's a long way of uh, getting to what I want to talk about next, which is uh, Louis C.K. So Louis C.K. recently came out with, in fact, like a week ago, maybe less, came out with a new comedy special on his website is released privately on his website you have to go to his site to buy the special to download it to listen to it but people are up in arms there are a lot of people who don't like Louis CK which I do understand if you listen to some of the details of uh, the why if you're not familiar with why he did something that was uh, uncool but He's not Bill Cosby, he's not Harvey Weinstein. His mistake in this special is talking about what he did because he's bitter. He feels like society is gaslighting him. He feels like uh, he has a perversion. He asks women, hey, do you mind if I uh, partake and invest in my perversion? And women said yes, and that's the transaction, and that's all there is. And done. Everybody's cool. Now, knowing the details of what happened, we know that's not exactly how that played out. And even if it were, he doesn't take into account the dynamics of uh, gender politics and uh, power structure politics. Uh, so yes, it's not as cut and dry as he would like it to be. But once again, he's not Bill Cosby, he's not Harvey Weinstein, and he released this special on his 
personal site. So you never have to see it or hear it if you don't want to. It's not, it's not going to pop up in your Netflix queue. In the set, he talks about some things that are hilarious. Uh, Louis C.K.'s sad sack, disaffected, world-weary, sad sack schlub comedy is hilarious to me because I am kind of a disaffected, schlub, world-weary, sad sack. And I think he is brilliant. I think he's one of the greatest stand-up voices of our generation. But does my appreciation of him, is that in itself misogyny? I have to wonder, he he says things in his set that are not not horrible, not terribly misogynist in that way. He does say some horrible things in his set. He's He's got a tool, his shtick is to uh, start doing a bit and then doing a side in the bit that takes it to a place that is way more off the rails and way worse or more disgusting or shocking than where he's going in the bit so that when he brings the audience back into the bit they are ready to receive the punchline that he is ready to deliver and it's a really good tool and he uses it over and over again and of course he's mastered the use of that tool but it is a tool and it does make him go some places where you're like oh Louie, but does liking Louis C.K. in itself make him misogynist? Does liking stand-up comedy in its in its form, in its modern form, and the form that it's been in for the past 30, 40 years, is that misogynist in itself? Stand-up comedy is innately aggressive. Somebody's going to be the victim in those jokes. You don't really have humor without a victim. It's either yourself, somebody that you don't like, or somebody that the other person doesn't like. There's always a victim. So, in trying to decide this, I went back and listened right after I watched Louis C.K. special to one of my favorite stand-up specials of all time. Uh, he left us too soon. Patrice O'Neill's Elephant in the Room. Now, Elephant in the Room is... <laughs> it is very misogynist, but it's aware. It's so aware of itself. Like, Patrice O'Neill is... He presents himself as a masculine man, 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 like, straight up, I was raised on testosterone man, but he acknowledges that he's a dinosaur, that the culture's left him behind. He's like, I invested all this time being a man, and I can't type. And he's like, the world's leaving me behind because of it. But it doesn't stop the misogyny. He's got some, some points of view in there that are really invested in, in a specific form of mus kind of like black male alpha misogyny is like he has very specific thoughts about the roles of man and the roles of a woman and he's aware of where he's going when he says this stuff but it doesn't make it better i don't think does it i don't know and he's not around anymore for us to ask it's still a brilliant special i i kind of love it i love elephant in the room because it's it's indicative of how far you can go if the bit's funny, you can say almost anything on stage that you want to, almost anything, as long as the bit's good. And his bits are just, they're bangers, it's pow, pow, pow. So much funny. And the way he engages the audience directly is great. It might even, it might be set up, he might do it at every audience, but it's so natural. Uh, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. He's, he's set a template that I wish more comedians would use. But does the, the inherent misogyny in what he's doing, does it reflect badly on us? Does it reflect badly on my generation? 
because Patrice is probably, let's see when he died, he was 40 in 2010. He's, he's older than I am. And uh, does it reflect poorly on our generation? Like uh, our generation, the Patrice generation, uh, is accepting of all things. We're not like the boomer generation. We're Gen X, functionally. But is that enough? Uh, it's obviously not where the culture is trying to move towards. Uh, the culture itself, in the temporary, to, in, in short term, may become more conservative, but in the long term, it's just going to become more liberal as we advance and there are more opportunities for uh, a larger swath of people, it's going to become more liberal. So I might already be a dinosaur. I feel like I'm a super liberal guy. I'm accepting of all things, but I might already be a dinosaur, and I don't even know it. So hopefully the future doesn't left, leave me behind. So these are just some musings on the culture as it stands and misogyny. Uh, the future is female. I fully believe that, and I'm on board with it because testosterone is the devil. All right? Yeah. So hopefully we can get together again soon. I've, I've missed you kids, and hopefully you've missed me. Thanks for listening.